Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show as we try our best to root out the Marxist dim evildoers and those who work ceaselessly to stamp out truth, justice, and the American way. Take, for instance, the new special counsel. That's right, we have a new special counsel appointed by the corrupt Attorney General Merrick Garland, big political theater production at the DOJ, to announce further political persecution of the president, yet another special counsel. But DOJ couldn't even cite a crime or crimes committed. And curiously, the Attorney General's guest of honor wasn't even there the man who will lead another assault against President Donald Trump. Missing was this fellow by the name of Jack Smith. Smith, Merrick Garland claimed, would be fair and impartial and independent in his efforts to crush Trump and destroy his campaign for his second term in the Oval Office. Garland didn't, of course, use those exact words, but that's what he meant. He just talked about what a swell fella this Smith is. But nothing Garland could say would deflect from or cover up Smith's absence, make anyone forget that he didn't show up for the big announcement. They claimed that he'd been in a bicycle accident that kept him away from the introductory event at the Justice Building. But must have been a heck of a bicycle accident. But then it occurred that maybe they didn't want to put good old Jack Smith in front of all that media. They didn't want him to have to answer questions and kept him out of the glare of media interest and even a prying question or two. There's only de minimis data on the web, this guy acting more like the pursued than the central figure in a second coming of a special counsel attack on President Trump. And so now, a few days later, we know a little more about Mr. Jack Smith and why Merrick Garland might have wanted to keep him under wraps for a while. For example, Mr. Smith was reportedly a full-on member of the Department of Justice IRS deep state cabal that in the wake of the Tea Party surge of 2010 decided to, well, constrain the conservatives and deny tax-exempt status to conservative groups. Mr. Smith wanted to see what else they could do. Smith was also leading the prosecution of Virginia Republican Governor Bob McDonnell. Convicted initially for taking gifts for political favors, the Supreme Court overturned the conviction. And Smith failed to convict Democrat Senator and Vice President candidate John Edwards. Smith's wife, by the way, is reported to be a big donor to the Biden campaign, a producer of a Michelle Obama documentary. So there's your Merrick Garland certified, impartial, absolutely fair, and no political conflicts of interest at all, Mr. Jack Smith, riding at the head of another special counsel gang that wants to take Donald Trump's scalp. Democrats up and down the eastern seaboard, by the way, prosecuting and suing the former president 
as the Marxist Dems are using the judicial system, as always, trying to crush the Trump candidacy. They really hate him. They really fear him. The Marxist Dems call it lawfare. And whatever anyone calls that evil, it is wide open war on Donald J. Trump. Elections, it's said too frequently, have consequences. And sometimes the consequences are unexpected and perverse. A divided nation spent more than $17 billion in these midterm elections. And the result? Evenly divided by party in both the House and the Senate. Joining us now is national security and political journalist and best-selling author of The Plot to Overthrow the President and the Permanent Coup, Lee Smith, great American. Lee, great to have you with us here. So what's happened, Lee? This was a big election, big expectations, and the result is we're divided. And if anything, even more so. I certainly I certainly agree. I think there are a number of different things going on here. And I, I you know, I hear people who know a lot much, uh, a, a lot more about uh, elections and polling uh, who, who counsel that we should wait for more data to come in. <laughs> but a lot of the stuff looks very, a lot of the stuff looks very funky right off the bat, just like 20. The, 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 the episode from this most recent election that I, I, I kind I like best, I mean, sar, sardonically here, was uh, was what what was the Pennsylvania polling place where they basically said, oh yeah, sorry, we're out of paper. Come back later. I mean, again, a lot of the stuff that was going on here, it's just it, it it's just outrageous. So that's where we are right now as a country. Yeah. There is, uh, and in Arizona they were running out of ink, so they were running out of some of the basic. Yeah. Basic necessities of electioneering. Uh, Thank goodness least. they had the toner. Yeah, no ink, but they had the toner. Thank goodness. It's really, and, uh, I mean, and, it's, and, if, if an office manager ran it, if an, an office manager ran an office like this, they'd be fired. But that's well, how they're holding elections in Arizona and Pennsylvania. Well, I think in those two states, there has to be a bonus program. If you can figure out a way to take down <laughs> the heavily Republican areas in your in your precinct, your uh, your state or district, uh, we, oh, we yeah. uh, we're going to work it out at the end of this thing, uh, because otherwise, big Christmas oh, bonus, big Christmas oh. bonus involved. Yeah, and, and and there seems to be a lot of it going on, and I can't at this moment. It does not come to me who said this to to us here on the show, uh, but we'll find out uh, soon because my uh, my colleagues will figure it out. Someone said that one of the basic differences in the Republican and the Democratic Party in elections and campaigns is Democrats pay their people to get out and be organized and move the vote to the polls. The yeah. Republicans, they don't pay. They just ask for volunteers. And for some reason, it works better for Democrats who pay than it does for Republicans who are just asking people to volunteer their time, their energy, uh, and their souls to the to the grand old party. Uh, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, and then they insult them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is what's going on. This is what's going on in a lot of you know a lot of conservative media. It's what's going on with a lot of the bigwigs in the party. They go around, yeah. Now we're, now it's an opportunity to crush Trump and crush Trump supporters. They're going to go the way that we want to steer it now. So, yeah, it's right. It's not just we're not going to pay you anything. Now we're, 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 we're going to take your work for free and we're going to slap you in the face. 
Well, what I love is all of the leadership of the Republican Party, and I'm not being sardonic, I'm out of my mind to even say it that way, uh, sardonically or uh, facetiously. But the the fact is that they're blaming the turnout of uh, First America, uh, what MAGA, MAGA supporters. They're, they're out of their minds. These idiots who right. lost three straight elections we now find out Ronna McDaniel wants to run for re-election after she lost 2022, 2020, and 2018. This woman thinks she should be coronated, for God's sake. What in the world is the Republican Party now, uh, if not uh, just a regal organization? Right. She's running for re-election. I, I think... I think everyone who's got a vote in this should vote for Mark Elias or someone from the DNC. Amen, to brother. Stick it to her and 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 rub and, and and rub it in. Let them eat it now, right? Yeah, that's 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 how you run elections. So we're going to do the same. Yeah, who's our? You know, I, I love it. We've got rhinos. The Democrats don't have dinos. We've got Lana <laughs> Romney McDaniel, and the Democrats have got Mark Elias. What is wrong with yeah. this picture? Yeah, um, uh, the, uh, here's a, here, allow me if I may. I, you may call me again, Pollyannish, if you like. But I also I, I take some good news from this election as well. Well, this is a sharp turn news, that but, I never. I, I have yeah. to tell you, this is a sharp <laughs> turn I didn't expect. A lot of people are talking about the Florida election in terms of a uh, in terms of a landslide that Governor DeSantis and Senator Rubio won in a, a landslide. Now, a congressional source, a friend of mine, uh, explained it rather differently. He said that what what it really shows is that Florida has become a thoroughly red state. Um, so, in lots of ways, what this election uh, what this election is, it's sort of the first post COVID election. By which I mean a lot of people left their blue areas, their blue cities, um, and they moved to red states. They moved to red regions. And I, I, I know that I voted with my feet in the spring of 2021 by leaving Washington, D.C. and coming down south here to South Carolina. And I think if, I think if, we, uh, if, if we look generally at what happened, there's a lot of that that's been going on. And if you look at New York, for instance, right, uh, the great Lee Zeldin, an amazing campaign, an amazing race, what he lost by less than seven points. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I can't get Lee. You just did something. I hear a number of people doing the amazing Lee Zeldin. He yeah. only lost by seven points. <laughs> I, 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 you know, we, the Republican right. party, I've got to tell you, has got to come up with something. I, I'm sorry to to be controversial in this. Uh, no, I'm, it's great. Yeah, I, I just can't accept the fact that Lee Zeldin is a great campaigner and a great uh, political genius because he only lost by seven points. I mean, I just can't get it. Where you know what a rancid mess New York is, I right. can't understand why he didn't win by seven points. Because I think that's another thing reflected in the election. And this is a tragic thing about our country right now. Look, Gavin Newsom won re-election. John Fetterman is elected the uh, uh, elected senator from Pennsylvania. And it's shocking, right? It's astonishing. Nonetheless, the people who stayed in Pennsylvania, the people who decided to stay in places like Philadelphia, 
I'm sure uh, to paraphrase Donald Trump, I'm sure there's lots of great people there. But the fact is people who are, are people who are nonetheless enduring the crime, the violence, the insanity. Is there any surprise that they would elect John Fetterman and the people, the people who uh, elected Kathy Hochul? That's what I'm saying. I mean, in sp- the ugly side that we have to confront is that there are a lot of people, uh, uh, many of our fellow Americans who are absolutely stark raving nuts to continue to vote for this. We, we, we unfortunately have to admit that, that uh, I guess, an open border over, uh, over which 5 million people have crossed since Joe Biden became president, uh, 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 record high inflation, soaring energy and food prices. I guess this really doesn't matter to a yeah. whole bunch of Americans. And we look at this and say, how is it possible? How but, is it possible? But, you know, you say that, Lee, and I, yeah. I and I understand why, because inflation is a big deal. High yeah. prices that are just ripping family budgets to pieces. Uh, for some people, this is not an academic exercise. This is real pain. Uh, but you know what? I didn't see a single Republican who I really believed was talking about the real pain of the voter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I listened to Carrie Lake in, in Arizona. Great campaigner. Uh, but you know what? I had a feeling she was talking to a national audience and not a state audience. Uh, I had a feeling, uh, you know, that this was a, somehow a national campaign rather than a gubernatorial campaign. I don't understand how you could elect Katie Hobbs in, in a million years. But right. there it is. Republicans have got to examine the way they're talking about the issues, their messaging and what in the world, you know, when the. Republicans talk about pain, high inflation, high prices. I didn't hear a single damn Republican, not a single damn Republican, say what he or she could actually do about inflation. I didn't hear the party leaders, uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, Kevin McCarthy and Ronna McDaniel. Are you kidding me? These people were fighting Donald Trump. Their enemy was America first. It wasn't Joe Biden and the Marxist Dems who are trying to take over this country. What little of it they don't already uh, occupy. They were fighting Donald Trump, for God's sake. Right. And what voter sitting there with his family or her family, uh, the children at the table with food that isn't quite what they would have prepared if it didn't cost a damn much. What are they going to think about a party where they can't get a commitment? from the leadership of the Republican Party about what they'll do, about while they will replicate the success of Donald Trump, but they want to have a petty, pitiful uh, fight uh, when they wouldn't support the president when he needed them most, and now when he needs them again, they're fighting against him instead of the Marxist Dems. What kind of party is the GOP? And then they, and by the way, implicit in those responses is, you know, it's sort of an elitist response. What about those stupid people who didn't vote for us? Let me tell you, I don't trust the Republican Party, and I'm in it, okay? I don't <laughs> trust the leadership, and I follow them sometimes. Rarely, okay, rarely. But the truth is, the American people are being asked to buy a bunch of bell. Just let me rephrase this because my wife yeah. is listening. <laughs> a bunch of bull uh, from uh, so-called leaders. What? We, we've got to have better minds and more integrity and more energy and more originality than that. The Republicans. Did you, 
did you think that there were figures in this campaign season like Blake Masters or like um like Adam Laxalt who represented a new or Joe uh, Joe Kent running, you know, for a seat out of Washington. Did Joe Kent by the way I think is a different figure in all of that, but okay, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say so did you think there were inspirational uh, maybe inspirational is not the best word. Did you think that there were uh, uh did you think that there was enough new blood coming into the party in this campaign? But I do want to ask about Joe Kent now, now because I I you know how is how is he different and and are you distinguishing him in in, in a positive way? I'm distinguishing him in a positive way. Uh, I think that he stood head head and shoulders above those other candidates that you mentioned, really? frankly. Wow. Okay. Uh, and oh, I, I, by the way, I, I, I love Joe Kent. He's fantastic. All right. That's so do we agree? Oh, t- absolutely. But I but I how does he stand head and shoulders above them? I, I'm, I'm not I'm not debating this, by the way. I just want well, I, I to, you know, rather than why. get sidetracked on Joe Kent, which I'll be lo- glad to do. But first, I, I think what we have to get to is these candidates across the board. We heard a lot of bull from uh, Mitch McConnell. You know, Colonel, the Senator Foghorn from Kentucky, who who has the intellect of a squash, uh, and uh, and the spine of a you know, I'll find another garden vegetable to, to associate with him in my next metaphor. But the the reality is, this is just not a time, uh, for, for a party to have these kinds of, uh, uh, divisiveness, uh. uh and try to appeal to the popular vote. Uh, they can have all of this division they want because they can trade and, and will horse trade in the, in the conference. And, you know, the, the establishment will win as usual and this will move, move on. But the fact is the Republican Party, I think Josh Hawley is very close to right. This party is dying before our eyes if it's not dead. Right. I, I, I had not heard him say that. Yeah, I mean, you, we certainly have that. We certainly have that sense from lots of voters, uh, and certainly it's going to get worse insofar as they're going after Donald Trump. I mean, why they see why they are seizing this as an occasion to go after Donald Trump. It's not a mystery to me, but it's just a further indication that this is a uh, it's a sick organism. I I don't know if it's uh, dying, but it's a sick organism. I think it's dying, and I, I, I and I know this is supposed to be a postmortem and not a diagnosis, uh, but the fact of the matter is, what party doesn't have a response other than no, you can't do that; it's against the law. When they talk about the Dems, the Marxist Dems say, "Here's a giveaway." Think how smart Joe Biden is, and we all talk, and I include myself in this. I call him the impaired puppet president, but I have to tell you, his puppet masters aren't stupid. They came out with a loan forgiveness program that put half a, tr- half a trillion dollars uh, in what we used to call walking around money to get Democrats, young Democrats, to vote. And guess what they did? And yeah. by the way, what's really slick about it is he knew it was unconstitutional and illegal. <laughs> yeah, right. and he knew he wouldn't have to write a check. Right. So he right. got all the benefits and the Republicans just sat there sucking their thumbs and sucking air. Uh, they yeah. had no response, no intelligent response. I'll tell you what's really getting on. What's really getting under my skin? I, I keep hearing people. We have to emulate. We have to do the same things that the Dems are doing between ballot harvesting and mail-in. But I'm like, you're missing the point. 
and the point is this is that insofar as the dams own the infrastructure they can do whatever they want and that's what i was getting at by saying in pennsylvania they just said oh we're out of paper who knows what they'll do in 2024 but the idea of playing catch up is never going to work the idea is figuring out how to own these different things because without that i i, I we're always going to be several but it, I guess the question that finally we're discussing right now is does Republican leadership want to catch up or are they happy to be one or two beats behind? Well, they're very happy because the leadership has got their jobs, they've got their perks and they've got all of their PAC money. Excuse me. Uh, they're very happy. Why wouldn't they be? RNC chair Ronald McDaniel running for re-election. By the way, they're bunch of Republicans who won't be running for re-election because they couldn't get elected. Uh, I, I don't know how many good candidates there were that failed. Uh, I, I suspect not as many as perhaps might think so of themselves. Take Lee Zeldin, for example. You mentioned what a great guy is, and I think he is a great guy, a great human being, uh, a wonderful human being. But as a politician, he's milk toast. Uh, he hmm. is absolutely milk toast. And you know it, and I know it. What do you think? I mean, I... I think I think it was a hard carry in New York. I, I, you know, he was talking about crime. Obviously, that's the major issue there. But again, as I said, we, I, I, it's a tragedy for the country. But but voters in places like New York and California and Illinois are zombies, and they prove that by look at look at what happened in Michigan. I, I mean, I think we have to accept that a lot of people actually did vote for people like Gretchen Whitmer, no matter how badly she tortured them. I mean, these these governors tortured them they tortured californians new yorkers michiganers it's terrible and nonetheless they voted for them again what can you do with for people like that so you should reject your torturers you should reject the people that kept your kids out of school for two years the people who destroyed your businesses if they can't figure it out themselves what do we do with them well one of the things we could do is actually serve them uh, instead of uh, corporate America, the Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable, Wall Street, big tech, big media, social media. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you've got the whole country obsequious and uh, in serving a big tech and, and the establishment, don't you? Yeah, um, I, I'm interested in what you're talking what you mentioned before when you're talking about uh, inspirational leadership, new ideas um, and what one of the things we one of the things that we've seen for the last couple of years and you and I have spoken about January 6th and the reason that people on the hill legis republican legislators said nothing about January 6th we can imagine what happened Kevin McCarthy said everyone keep your head down let Joe Biden run the country into the ground we don't have to do a single thing we'll just pick up the they'll just vote us back in in 2022 because they won't have a choice seeing what Biden has done to the country so we saw that unfolding from the beginning, right? As Republicans made uh, made no effort to defend their base. So before we're talking about how they're not paying GOP, uh, you know, GOP workers, uh, I, I, I mean, they they just they there are still January six defendants being held, um, you know, w w without trial, without bail, and so we've seen what that results in. Two years of this stuff. They weren't even defending their own supporters. So, yeah, I, th I think what you say is right. There was not only no uh, inspirational message. 
there was no defense of Republican supporters. Well, to quote Penny Rogers, you know, winners, uh, you know, winners grant and losers say deal again. Uh, the fact of the matter, again, is uh, I, I can't find an inspirational candidate anywhere or person anywhere in Republican leadership. Can you? Well, what about Donald Trump? Well, Lee, first, I'd like to tell you that I never, ever, ever allow guests to ask the questions on, <laughs> on The Great America Show. <laughs> but since you have, uh, I think Donald Trump was uh, highly inspirational. I don't know what to say about a man who now uh, has been so outlandishly uh, uh, aggressive against his own party uh, and sort of lost sight of who the enemy is, which mm -hmm. is the Marxist Dems. Uh, who attacks the governor of a state where he knows that if he does run in 2024, he's going to need that governor, those votes in that state, an immensely popular governor? How, what, how, is the, how does that make sense on any level? to do that, if I may ask you that question in response to yours. Well, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing. I mean, you've persuaded me that the landscape is pretty bleak right now. It is bleak. And, and this country is in, a, it, it's in a paroxysm of uncertainty and ambiguity and confusion and conflict. Uh, and we have no one honestly talking about what we are contending with. We have terrible leadership, terrible, and we are blaming people. But I understand the fear of people as well, don't you? I think people are. I think people are very anxious um, when they see the different things that are happening. I mean, and it's virtually every initiative that comes out of the White House. It's virtually everything they do. I mean, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, it's like a campaign of demoralization and desecration. And yes, unfortunately. There appear to be uh, very few, if any, Republicans who are willing to pick up the standard, certainly in Repu certainly among legislators and political officials. Are, are, are there people out there who are inspiring? Yes, I, I actually I, I, I think there are people who are inspiring out there, um, but they don't uh, they don't appear to be um, in political leadership right now. No, they don't. And and. and uh... And, and Joe Biden, President Biden, took the opportunity today to say America first is dead because the Senate is in the same same uh, uh, divide that it was before the election. Uh, is America first dead? No, absolutely not, because America first, Donald Trump did something brilliant. Donald Trump saw a, a movement, saw a groundswell across this country, uh, and, and he grew it. He, he, he grew this movement, but like uh, like a talented political leader, he recognized something bigger than himself and he jumped in front of it. If there are problems with him now, it's because he believes he's bigger than it. But America first, the people who believe this. Oh, no, I, I think that sentiment is only growing. Um, I, I, I think it's become even more powerful. Well, I, as you know, I'm I'm America first uh, to the bone. Yeah. Uh, I and if we're not to be America first and hear a president say we're not America first anymore. Think about that. Oh, it's nuts. Uh, I mean, uh, it's president of the United States. Then what, what, who does he serve? Right. The Soviet Union, Ukraine, who? Well, uh, uh, there are quite there are questions about that, Lou, as we know. 
Look, but I mean, th this is this is precisely what Barack Obama was getting at when Barack Obama said not only that he doesn't believe in American exceptionalism any more than a Greek exceptionalism or uh, a, a British exceptionalism, but also when he was talking about utterly transforming the country. And I guess one of the things before Americans right now is um, our and this is the fundamental issue, I think, with America versus like, no, we love our country the way it is. We don't want our country transformed. I know I do believe that there, that is a powerful and winning sentiment across this country. Right. I agree. But if every Republican candidate really believed what they were saying about high prices, inflation, uh, this uh, destabilized economy, if you will, right. the uh, volatile markets and uncertain uh, economic growth and future, why could they not understand the fear of middle-class Americans who can't afford college, who can't for their children, can't uh, keep their uh, keep food on the table, who are paying over $100 for a tank full of gas to get to work? Uh, what about those folks? Uh, the Republicans didn't speak to them at all. And for me, uh, I think you know this. I mean, I've, mm. I've written a lot of books on this country's middle class, where the American dream resides. And it, it pains me to see them ignored once again. I think that they're, and again, I, I, I think that the, the thrust of America first, it is the middle class. This is what the middle class believes. I mean, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think it's, look, I believe that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, the progressives, the pro the progressive faction of the United States government has its dagger at the throat of the middle class. The middle class isn't going anywhere. We've been taken for granted. We've been taken advantage of. But I think that we've also we've also shown our abilities. And I, I don't think that's I don't think that's going away. But I, I, I again, it, it's it's a search for leadership. Um, that is worthy of Americans. That's worthy of the middle class. Right. Are there people out there who can do it? That's why I was interested in what you were saying about Joe Kent. Is Ron DeSantis capable of 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 um, of carrying the banner on behalf of the American middle class? What do you think? I do think so. Um, he certainly inspired a lot of people. Look, the, the fact that, you know, over what at this point, it must have been a million, uh, half a million Americans who moved to Florida saying this guy has got he's got it going on. He's at least protecting our liberty. He's going that far. He's against all this trans stuff. He's against the CRT stuff. I mean, it's it strikes me that there are very, very simple cases that political uh, that our political leadership can make and really get out there and mean it and fight for it. it it's. It... It's it just, to me, uh, it's a moment where we've got to be honest on our examination of the party and its leadership. Uh, we we now have Kevin McCarthy reelected as the uh, uh, the House uh, Speaker, the Majority Leader, and House Speaker. Of, you know, we're we're going to see some real some real fun now, uh, but the party itself has to go through some considerable examination from without. I would not leave uh, reform of any bankrupt bank uh, to the, the board of directors of that bank, nor would I leave the, the reform of the Republican Party up to the RNC 
uh, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. How about you? Will a split? I mean, I'm wondering, uh, you know, so, 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 so as not to ask more questions, but I'm wondering, how is this for a rhetor uh, rhetorical phrasing? I'm, I'm wondering if the thing that people are scared of, a split between Trump and DeSantis, I'm wondering if that sort of thing might not actually work to strengthen the party and strengthen America first. Let people, let them argue. I mean, it seems that that is, uh, that that is a good way for people to not only hone their arguments, but to figure out yeah, Lee, how, I, they're, I, how they're going I, to lead. I've, I've got to be straightforward here. I mean, I've been saying that for for weeks now. Yeah. DeSantis doesn't bother me in, in the least. I want there to be competition for the, the nomination uh, uh, with President Trump, who I support. Uh, I don't want to see any more of this nonsense like we see in Congress. What I'm talking about the divide is between uh, the the Republican Party elites and the Republican Party, the rank and file. These these leaders are on Capitol Hill and and uh, Rodham, Romney, uh, uh, McDaniel. I mean, they're the they're globalist elites, just like the the lefties. In counterpoint, we have President Biden, who says he's not going to ever go to war with China, basically. Uh, he says uh, everything is just ducky and for all the world looks like a functionary uh, of Hoji. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost said it. He looks like man. a I almost did it. <laughs> a function, a functionary of Xi Jinping uh, and the PRC. Right. The idea, um, the idea somehow, which we've heard many people float that, oh, oh gee, is Biden going to stand up strong? To the Chinese, is Biden going to uh, make war against China? Is absolutely preposterous, right? Because we know how uh, extensively compromised the entire Biden family, as well as the Democratic Party as a whole, and as well as many Republican officials, uh, are compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. So it, it, it frankly wasn't surprising to me that what comes out of this meeting is basically um, basically Biden's appeasement. Right. Saying we're going to work on climate change the way that I see that G just threw him, a, you know, G just threw him a bone here. Go ahead. Look like a tough guy. Since that's so important to the Democratic Party, climate change. Sure. We'll work on climate change together. So, yes, I, I think it's extremely uh, it's extremely troubling. And when we're coming back to the weakness of the Republican Party, who is going to um, who is going to underscore the very serious problems that the Chinese Communist Party poses to American peace and prosperity. And and yet that really wasn't uh, at, the, at the center of any of the campaigns uh, that we watched uh, for the Senate or for the House of Representatives, at least that, that I saw. Did you? No, you're right. And it's a very good point because we see that the Chinese are not just the Chinese also have what they call their subnational strategy. They've been infiltrating their way into different states, different districts, different parts of America all around the country. And that actually would have been an important thing for different uh, different candidates across the country to talk about how this is an these are important things to our communities. This is an important thing to our state to protect ourselves against uh, against Chinese Communist Party infiltration. Look, and this might have to come back to New York for one second. We saw now that the <laughs> that the CCP has a uh, has opened up a police precinct in New York City. 
<laughs> that strikes me that that probably would have been a good thing for um, for Lee Zeldin and other candidates, uh, other Republican candidates throughout the state to talk about. I wonder why they didn't. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just it's to me uh, the great frustration for me in this election is Republicans weren't running much of a campaign. They were talking about investigations as if the entire country hated the Bidens. They right. don't. Uh, many of them depend on the Bidens for their, uh, for whatever, their government assistance, uh, for, uh, you know, their, their ideological comfort, whatever it may be. Uh, but they had one group to appeal to, and that is the Republican Party and the independents in this country who vote together most often. They didn't this time. The other problem with the investigations was all of these investigations, and I'm sure some of them will still be conducted, but they will, by necessity, be extremely limited, uh, not only in scope, but in their ability to get anything done. I mean, they can certainly uh, produce lots of evidence about different things that have been going on, though lots of this is public, what we know made, uh, you know, made public by various journalists. Um, but the idea that they're going to be able to hold the Bidens or others accountable for what's been going on. I mean, the, the, the Department of Justice is still controlled by Joe Biden. So investigations on Capitol Hill. I mean, yeah, that in itself is not appealing to Republican voters, nor should it be. As you say, when people are concerned, rightly, when people are worried about their savings accounts evaporating. When people are worried about filling up their uh, car, putting food on the table, investigations are not a priority. Well, you know, with some exceptions, and I think uh, Jim Jordan uh, is the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, as you know, he says he's investigating. James Colmer, House Oversight, he's going after uh, Fauci and uh, what looks as he has uh, revealed what looks like an effort to use government uh, U.S. money to shut down uh, inquiring minds about the origin of the Wuhan virus uh, and how it uh, came to be that the United States did not pursue that aggressively. He says it looks, at least at this point, like uh, Fauci and others uh, actually were using federal grant money to shut people up. Um, that's certainly my assumption. I mean, Anthony Fauci, among others, I think it's very important to understand Fauci in a context most people um, don't discuss, right? Anthony Fauci's not just the, was, as he's retiring next month, not just the longstanding head of NIAID, but he's also America's biowarfare czar, right? These were powers that were granted him after 9-11 by the Bush administration. I think that's the heart of what's going on. And I think, frankly, that's what stalled many investigations into Anthony Fauci's role. I mean, the amount of power that he's wielded throughout Washington, not, to, not, not, for, the, uh, not for the four decades, but uh, explicitly for the 20 years since 9-11. That's something that's helped protect Fauci from both sides of the aisle. No, I mean, Rand Paul has been very effective or, or relatively effective sticking it to Fauci. And I agree. I, I believe that there, will, the, the, there there are others who are more than capable of it, like Congressman Wenstrup out of Ohio. I know he's looking at this. And these things are all very, very important. And, and I, I, I agree we have to push ahead. They have to push ahead on these investigations. But again, the idea that this was going to 
um, summon a groundswell of support, yeah, I think that was always unlikely. Right. And I think uh, James Comer of House Oversight, yeah. uh, I, time will tell, but I have every confidence that he will do exactly what he said he will do. Uh, and that's a big step out there for me uh, with my skepticism of politicians <laughs> these days. This is where I say, uh, Lee, if you will, uh, we always give our guests the uh, the last word and your concluding thoughts, if you would, please. Well, thank you very much, Lou. First of all, it's always great to be speaking with you. What we need to look at as Americans, not just the Republican Party, but as the, how the country as a whole moves forward. And I help all of us get that time and we get that peace and we get time to spend with our families and thank, um, thank the Lord and thank the founders of this great country for what we have in our hands and that we not forfeit this incredible blessing that we've been Absolutely. given as Americans. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I always enjoy our discussions. Uh, you too, Lou. Thank you so much again. And, 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 and provocative. So thanks for being with us. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, Lou. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Here Monday will be Congressman James Comer. He's making lots of news. He served notice that he will be subpoenaing Hunter Biden to fully investigate Biden corruption. And his statement that China's purchase of Hunter's art looks convincingly like a payment for services, namely influence in the Biden administration. Please join us Monday for our discussion with the man who will lead the House Oversight Investigation. Congressman James Comer. Until then, thank you, God bless you, and may God bless America. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. <laughs>